Boy, did we have fun today on NHL Trade Deadline Day because for the deadline, we had a trade-themed contest. We had five pairs of Jets tickets to give away. And with that, we asked you, what would you be willing to trade to get those Jets tickets? Also on the subject of the trade deadline, Greg is fired up. He is not happy with the Winnipeg Jets. Our global news series on allergies continued, and today we talked about the confusion that pertains to warning labels. And it's Employee Appreciation Day. Do you feel valued at work? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Friday, March 3rd podcast for The Start. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb on your Friday. We're going to talk allergies today. We're going to talk Employee Appreciation Day. We have a really neat contest today, and it is in honor of the NHL trade deadline. I'm not even going to speak. Greg, I said to Brett this morning that if he wants to protect himself, he should not ask you any (laughs) questions in and around trade day because it is like a... I geyser ready to go off. It's like the <laughs> volcano that sat idle for 12 years waiting for some big trade movements. That sat idle. Well, that's apropos because Greg is, of course, the reigning talk idol. <laughs> that's a good thing I'm in my uh, my coffin here, in my <laughs> bulletproof uh, box, so to speak, away from everybody. I'm a little steamed. I, I You know... I'm allowed to be honest on this program, am I not? Yes. Isn't that what I'm here for? Yep. The microphone is a vacuum of honesty. I'm 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 incredibly disappointed that the Winnipeg Jets have yet to make another move. Yes, they have added Nino Niederreiter. They did that last weekend, and that, in my mind, was an indication that they were going to make some moves in order to strengthen the core of this team, which has performed for the most part pretty well this season. The last couple of weeks, of course, have been pretty difficult. But I suspected, I felt, I was under the impression that the Jets were going to make some moves in order to bolster their lineup in an attempt to uh, win a couple of rounds of playoffs here. Okay, so it is just, just there are there's opportunities still. Don't we have like 12 hours left for them to do that or whatever the actual deadline hour is? Yes. Is there nothing left, in your opinion, to go after? Well, the, the, the pickings are slimmer than they were over the last several days. There were a couple of names that the Jets were linked to, you know, purportedly. And that's the danger of this time of year. There are, are all sorts of rumors. There are sources that, that are very good sources that, that share their insight and say, oh, Winnipeg's in on this player. They're out on that player. Uh, Jacob Chikrin, the defenseman who went to Ottawa. I don't want to get bogged down for the non-hockey fans here, so I'll keep it high level here. But one of the, the more promising uh, younger players in the NHL that the Arizona Coyotes is moving were moving on and have now moved on from, the Jets were linked to him. Many saw him as a tremendous fit here in Winnipeg, no matter whether or not. Not, you know, the Jets were going to go into a re- rebuild mode maybe a couple of years or even 18 months from now. 
and it was reported that they were in on this player right until the very end. And then when you see what Ottawa paid for this player, it's very frustrating. So I think there are a lot of frustrated fans this morning. You're correct, Loren. The trade deadline uh, is later on this morning. Or I guess it's this afternoon. I think it's 2 o'clock Winnipeg time. See, that's how frustrated I am. I haven't even made note of the exact cutoff time because... I, I mean, I'm I'm prepared to be very disappointed today. What should the Jets do leading up to the NHL trade deadline was the question of the day on Wednesday afternoon. 48% said make a big trade. 26% say stand pat. And 26% said make a smaller trade. Uh, so you can feel free to weigh in at 204-780-6868. And in a moment, we're going to tell you about today's contest. Well, <laughs> that was you sad. do better than that. Do, I mean, I, I hit it, it with my pen. Do it. Come on, okay. give us the real go. Give us the real deal. Oh, there we go. We'll explain what that is about in a minute. But we're uh, one of the important things we want to talk about today, Loren, because we've been doing this for the last few weeks on Fridays. Allergies. Yeah, and this is personal to me, as people might know, because I have a one of my kids lives with a peanut allergy, and so it's life threatening, right? And and one of the topics that we're gonna tackle today is labeling of food. It is supremely suffering for the millions of Canadians who live with food allergies or have foods in food sensitivities. When you go to pick up certain items and it always says may contain, may contain nuts, may contain sesame, may contain dairy. And you think to yourself, how could this contain any of those things? It's salt. I have bought salt that says may contain nuts. And I thought the only ingredient is salt is salt. But maybe maybe it's in some factory, maybe it's in the processing part that they put this label out there because they're covering their own butts, Mm -hmm. even if it has no nuts in it or has no dairy or egg or whatever you're allergic to. So it's super frustrating. We're going to hear more from Rosanna Hempel, who spoke to a Winnipeg mom about her challenges. And then Greg at 837, we're bringing on uh, a guest to talk about just the lack of options for a lot of people who, who tackle Finding bread even without yes. nuts in it. Yes. So um, I was trying to find uh, a nut-free bakery because you were me- mentioning the challenge of finding even bread these days that will declare itself peanut-free. Well, I did some Google searching. I searched uh, uh, probably half a dozen or more websites trying to find a bakery in Winnipeg that would make such a declaration. And all I could find was one bakery that really seems to specialize in deliciousness and no bakeries, no other bakeries that would declare themselves absolutely peanut free. And so it was a blog and a list compiled from by our guest from California who will join us at 835. They are a peanut free home. They have peanut allergies in their home. We'll talk to Sharon Wong about the challenges she has as a mom and uh, a cook and also in the idea of uh, providing information for others who, who live with the same situations, Brett. All right. And on the subject of our contest today, and I just rang that bell, I'll ring it again. We are asking you, in honor of the trade deadline, we have five pairs of tickets to give away to see the Winnipeg Jets take on the San Jose Sharks on Monday. And we're asking you, what would you trade for those tickets. You don't actually have to trade it, but we, we want you to take a picture, send us a picture at 204-780-6868 of the item in question. And quite frankly, the stranger, the better. Like Grant, he just showed up yesterday with this with this bell. 
It's a like a 20-pound brass bell that's It's like at a least... shipyard bell. Or yeah. so I feel like that's what you ring when ice mug. Yeah. Straight well, ahead. It says Titanic oh, on it. Well, there you go. But I don't believe it's from actually yeah. from the Titanic. But it is at least 60 years old, according to Grant. And he brought it in just, he's like, you know what? This bell has brought me and my friends more joy than we could ever use. And now I want you to have it. So he just wanted to bring it in. So Grant, you are in the running for that contest. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we've got five, count them, five pairs of Winnipeg Jets tickets to give away for Monday's game against the Sharks on this NHL trade deadline day. We're asking you to text us a picture of something you would trade for those tickets. Now, it's important to note, we're not actually asking you to trade this item, but Grant, who is in the running, he said, you know what? I just want you to have this bell. He brought this, like, 20-pound... It's at least 60 years old brass bell. It says Titanic on it, but it's not from the Titanic. But he just wanted us to have the bell. He thought it was really cool. He said, I've, you know, it's give my friends and I have gotten all kinds of joy out of it. Now I want to pass it on to you. So thank you very much for that, Grant, by the way. That's really cool. I think it might end up in uh, Greg's backyard while we're still negotiating on that. But tell us a story. Send us a picture for a chance to win, and we're going to scatter those winners throughout the show. Uh, we usually pick the winner right at 9.15, but we, with five winners, we got to spread that out. So let's go around the horn here. What would you, for the purposes of this conversation, what would you trade for something you covet? So, Cameron Portress, why don't we start with you? Well, <laughs> I have really nothing of, of, of value that anybody else would, would, would actually want. It's, it's stuff that's all sort of personal to me. I guess if, if there was something that I would trade, uh, my dad had those Superman dies comics and stuff like that. He's got a bunch of like number one Conan. Cool. Uh, uh, when when Superman died, he bought all those comics. I guess that might be something that somebody'd be interested in. Or like, and he's also got a bunch of hold, like number. Hold on, Cam. So essentially, you're saying you trade something that belongs to somebody else? Yeah. Oh okay. no, no, they're <laughs> under. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to be clear. Yeah, they're it's under my control though. I have them in my possession. Um, or he's got a bunch of number one. Uh, Conan the Barbarians. Uh, he was a big Conan wow. fan back in the cool. uh, when he was a kid in the seventies. Uh, my uncle Ed got him into Conan the Barbarian and stuff like. That. He's got a bunch of number one. So, uh yeah, if, if those eventually find their way into my possession, which they actually do have them right now, uh, yeah, I might trade them for something. That's but like it's it's all like I keep little trinkets and stuff. Like it's all it's all stuff to me. Like like I've moved so many times in my life and it gets shorter and shorter. I just have like boxes of of stuff that's like. Like I, I honestly like in my I own personally like eight bo- small boxes of stuff and the rest of it is stuff that I, I just I've given away so many things over the years so I wish I had a better answer for you uh, Brad. those are some pretty yeah. cool yeah those are some pretty yeah. cool comics actually if I were to trade any of my comic books a couple that I've got uh, that would be fun are I have two or three issues of Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew. <laughs> Well, that's that's got to be worth thousands. <laughs> so much Captain fun. Captain whom? Captain Carrot and his amazing zoo crew from the from the 80s originally. My, uh, I think my uncle's got Captain Canuck. Oh, yeah, yeah? I do too. Yeah. I got in trouble for selling those to the to the neighborhood kids for a quarter each, <laughs> even though they'd come into my possession free of charge. My dad made me return all the quarters to oh. all my friends. They didn't even, like, illustrate the backgrounds. They just, like, took a photo and then put Captain Canuck in it. I, just thought, I thought it was so lame. Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, about 15 months ago, I won as a door prize a Ninja Blender. 
and I made one smoothie with it and realized I don't care for smoothies, cleaned it up, put it in the box, and it's been sitting under my sink ever <laughs> since. So uh, I got a real good blender that I would gladly trade for anything that I might actually want. Oh, that's the, the whole the whole shelf of appliances that people accumulate and never use is oh. pretty funny. That's why it's yeah. above the fridge, and you have to go through that great effort to pull it out once every two years. Yeah, and then, and then depending on which one you need, you might you might have so much stuff in there that you have to basically play a game of Tetris. I found a skip rope it. and exercise bands above the fridge the other day. Like, I just chucked <laughs> things in there. <laughs> wow. Uh, did you put them in there because you knew that you probably wouldn't I, be using them again? I have no again? idea why they're in there. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Mackling? Yep. What about you? Well, if I was good at trading stuff... I wouldn't have so much stuff. So really, I'm not very good at this. But I suppose right now, the bane of my existence, the largest item that I would happily get rid of in exchange for something of value is a Bosch dishwasher. We put in a Bosch dishwasher in our house when we remodeled our kitchen about six years ago, and it sucked pretty much from day one. I think we got, <laughs> I think we got one of those lemons made on a Friday afternoon or something, mm. and then it just never worked properly. No matter how often I cleaned it, no matter how many things I did, it just didn't work. So I have, uh, we broke down a couple of weeks ago and, and, and got a new dishwasher, and I'm in love with it. But I've got the old one in my, where is it, Loren? Garage. garage. It's in my garage. And uh, yeah, I would absolutely trade that uh, old Bosch dishwasher for just about anything of value. Hey, by the way, if you want to see some of the some of the pictures that are coming in, and I'm I'm uploading them fast as fast and furious as I can to our 680 CJOB Instagram story. There's a video that shows the bell that we uh, rang earlier, and a few of the pictures that have come in so far. Two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. Keep texting us those pictures for a chance to win some Jets tickets. Jeff Fortier, what about you? I would trade what I like to call the monster under my bed, aka my workout mat. Because, yeah. <laughs> come on, that thing's not getting used very much. And, you know, I'd probably trade that for a case of beer if the price is going up, you know. Get more get more use out of the beer than I would the, the workout mat. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that, that uh, beer tag, that excise tax coming to uh, beer and I think maybe more alcohol is uh, It's coming. all the alcohol, I think, yeah. yeah. From abs to flabs. <laughs> <laughs> Bodies by Jeff. What about you, Loren? What would you trade? I want this listener, Mike's texted in to say he'd trade a weekend stay at his cabin in Hillside Beach, and that cabin's looking pretty sweet, but I don't think he's going to like what I'm offering. I So when I lived in Israel, I had um, go to Bethlehem se- several times, and I bought different things as Christmas ornaments, but also bought these rosaries. Um, so if you're Catholic, you might use a rosary. And in the middle part is soil from Bethlehem, which I thought was super cool. So I oh, bought a bunch neat. of them and you know gave one to my mom and my sister and brothers. And then I've kept a couple extras over the years because I thought, well, someone will, this will be a good gift for someone if it means something mm. to them. And I not encountered that person. So every every Christmas I pull out the same bag of stuff that's sort of just sitting there. And so I was going to say this morning that I'd trade that for someone who thought that would be valuable to them or meaningful to them. But then I just went on Walmart and you can get that same rosary for thirty two ninety nine. So <laughs> here I was thinking I'm bringing this thing from the Holy Land, you know, and Walmart's well, got it on sale. It technically was there, but it probably was made in China and then shipped to the Holy Land and then... Shoved with some soil. I bet you... Like, who's oh, to okay. say? If you're buying that from Walmart, do you really believe that that's the... 
the soil. I, I think some of those Israeli vendors are a little a little shady too, because my um my uh my my sister and brother in law were down there and they were uh, they were in Israel. They were going to bring something back for my uh, mother and father in law. And they were going to get salt and pepper shakers. It mm-hmm. was something. And the guy goes in the back, oh, I got those. I got those. He goes into the back and wraps it up and then comes back. And then they go, oh, here you go. Here's salt and pepper shakers. And it comes up and it was candlestick holders. So they're just like, they won't notice. And just wrap that up and threw it in a bag. And we, they have my, my father-in-law opened it up. And he's like, well, these ain't salt and pepper shakers. These are candlestick holders. And it's like everything they is look from like it, yeah. everything's from the Dead Sea. There, like all their makeup and stuff is, you know, oh, yes. the the purities from the Dead Sea. And so I really bought into it. I got a ton of cream and face stuff and whatever. None of it worked, and I doubt any of it came from oh. the salt of the Dead Sea. And <laughs> honest to God, it stinks. Moving, but when I first moved back to Winnipeg, I ended up at the mall in Saint Vital, and the first person to you know try to sell me something is someone in the middle aisle. Yeah, would you like some hand cream oh, from the Dead the Sea? And I've I was like, how did I get back stuff. to Winnipeg? Yeah, <laughs> I got it in Seattle, Loren, uh, the Dead Sea stuff. Salt. It's uh, in. It's in our vanity. It's been there for 11, 12, 13 years. But that sea's dying. There can't be that much stuff coming from that sea anymore. Well, now you know why it's dying. Everybody's stealing all the salt. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we are going to pick our first winner for the five pairs of tickets for Monday's Jets game against the Sharks. It's NHL trade deadline. We're asking you today to send us a picture of something that you would trade for those tickets. You don't actually have to make the trade, but if you want to send us a picture. Uh, Mike with the cottage does. I'm taking his cottage. Like this old cottage? He's taking it. He would trade the whole cottage? <laughs> Send us a pic, 204-780-6868. Our first winner shall be declared in our next segment, right ahead of Best of Rick Bonus, and then the Couch Potatoes Assemble. Just after 7.30 to tell you what's new at the movies this weekend, there is a big one we are excited about. Are you expecting a big party at work today? Perhaps a gift from your boss? A watch? Ooh. Poutine day, maybe? Some pizza? I don't know, even a lunch? I don't know if any of that's coming our way, but it is Employee Appreciation Day. And so in honor of this day, we're trying to figure out just how appreciated you might feel at work. So Robert Half is a Canadian recruitment agency. And in a survey of about 500 people, they found 48% feel undervalued at work, 27% feel valued and recognized, and then another 25% say they feel a bit recognized, but it could be more. So that's a real mixed bag there. Sandra Lavoie is Regional Director at Robert Half and joins us now. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. So I'm not sure if I was surprised or if this felt right to me. Where do you land in terms of the fact that half don't feel valued and another quarter say that they could use more appreciation? It really didn't surprise me because often... Our employers don't take the time during the day to say thank you or recognize our efforts. So it did not surprise me at all. And this is, you know, this is an area where we really need to increase recognition to our employees. As you know, today is Employee Appreciation Day. With a tight unemployment market, candidates will leave jobs because they do not feel recognized. Well, let's expand on that, Sandra. That's exactly, in fact, what I wanted to ask you about. On the on the priorities of employees, I know so many people assume that it's money, but money is often far down on the list of priorities. Where does feeling appreciated rank on that list of things that employees want in their job? There's three things they look for. Number one, properly compensated. Number two, 
flexibility in their job, and number three, being recognized. And that can move at any time. One can go become three or vice versa, depending how an employee feels. So these are three key items to retain your staff in a tight unemployment market. Is this a situation for management where it's like kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't? Because I, you know, one employee might recognize uh, uh, something that a manager says as, okay, that makes me feel valued. And that the manager could say the exact same thing to somebody else and maybe they don't. And maybe it makes them feel undervalued. Like, uh, is this a thing where the management is kind of sort of just facing down the barrel? The only reason that would happen is if we do not have strong communication and regular communication between an employee and employer and know how our employee feels and how do they want to be recognized. That's what I was going to ask, that how, because recognition, you talked about, you know, some people might say, I feel valued because of my salary. That's how I put, that's how I decide I feel valued at work, that I feel I'm being properly compensated. Well, someone else might say it's because of the feedback or the little things. So what does recognition look like for the average employer? Well, I think there's, like today as an example, Robert Half has given every employee the day off. That is a way to recognize our employees. Another is writing a little written note, handwritten note, and say thank you. That, you'll see, will stay with an employee for a long time. Also, a staff celebration during a meeting that if an employee went above and beyond. These are three ideas that can be done at a very reasonable cost that will recognize an employee's. So, Sandra, can a lack of uh, recognition for its employees be a symptom of other issues within an organization? Well, it could be the lack of, of, of company culture. That's one area. It could be uh, your manager is really stressed and they're not tuned in on how an employee is feeling or forgets to recognize the employee. There's many different things that could cause that. The hard part in this, you know, because managers are employees too. So you could be mad at your manager, upset with your your boss, but you're normally, you know, in so many large companies, it's not the boss that you're dealing with. And so, the, like, how do you balance that? Because uh, there were studies all through pandemics that managers were increasingly stressed as well. And then managing stressed employees, well, who's managing the manager, if, if you catch my drift? Yes, I understand. I understand. Well-being is key to all employees, and it starts by taking time and taking care of you, the person as well-being, because you have employees to take care of. And that starts from the top up. Sandra Lavoy, Regional Director at Robert Half, joining us live on 680 CJOB on Employee Appreciation Day. Thank you very much for this, Sandra. You're welcome. Sorry about my voice. I caught a cold this morning. It happens. Uh, I'm sorry that this is actually your day off. You got the day off on Employee Appreciation Day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Day, and we've got you up early at 7 a.m. Oh, Sandra. <laughs> so thank, thank you. you. <laughs> no problem. Take care. Have a good one. Thank, thank you very much, Sandra. Yeah, and, and as far, you know what, one, another thing maybe too on this front that, that employees need to keep in mind is sometimes there's stuff going on with the manager. Like we used to have a boss who would stomp around here and he'd run into the control room and shout no excuses and he was he had this like bad stretch where he was uh, uh, like a seemed like a tyrant but then we learned that he was mad at us because the GM was breathing down his neck so he was being micromanaged right. and then we got micromanaged and everybody was miserable as a result
But once I knew that, it made me able to step back and go, okay, I get it. He's got some stuff going on. Right. So once again, symptomatic of poor culture, as Sandra put it. Yeah. Right? Sometimes when these things are happening, yeah, you can you can push them off and you can push them aside as eh, not a big deal. But maybe it's indicative of something that's going out going on somewhere else in the organization. And, and that could be really bad. Right now, we want to just dive into this a little bit more. We've been hearing about a Winnipeg mother whose toddler lives with a severe sesame allergy, and this mom wants increased regulations surrounding may contain statements on food labels. Global's Rosanna Hempel brings us more from Global's Allergy Series. Teresa Yehudayev's son's anaphylactic reaction to sesame landed him in the hospital when he was a baby. Years later, she's still on edge each time she goes shopping. Yehudayev checks food labels again and again, even for products she's familiar with, in case companies change their ingredients. She says so many products have may contain statements listing sesame that her family is very limited in what they can buy at the grocery store. I think the first time I actually went grocery shopping trying to find a safe bread, I almost cried in the bread aisle because I couldn't find any, any product that was safe for him at the time. Yehudayev hopes for better rules surrounding may contain statements so that families like hers can make more informed decisions about the risks. Rosanna Hempel, Global News. In a statement, Health Canada tells Global News it's working with the Canadian Food Inspection Agency to improve precautionary allergen labeling, otherwise known as may contain statements. A spokesperson added that Canada doesn't have specific regulations on how and when to use them and that very few countries do. They said discussions at the international level level, pardon me, are ongoing, although they're not at a stage that will affect changes soon, Loren. So as a mom of a kid who has an anaphylactic reaction for peanuts and could have one, the labeling is super frustrating because may contain labels. They're on a wide range of products that leave you in a position where you rationally know there cannot be peanuts in it. Like a pepperoni pizza I've seen sometimes has a may contain label on it. But you don't want to roll, you're not rolling the dice on your kid. You don't need the pizza that badly. But because it seems like they're being slapped on more and more products I'm certain for legal reasons where the company doesn't want to get themselves in a position where they promise something and they can't deliver, you're, you're, you're sometimes left in the real quantity for real key items like that woman with bread. Like bread is – that would be very frustrating not to find anything without sesame. And then another challenge is how the labels can change. I've bought items over the years where I have to double check because it may have been – it won't say peanut-free, but it will have no peanuts in the ingredients five years ago. And then I go buy that same jar of sauce, for example, this week, and I'll look again and go, what? There is peanuts in it because they've changed their processing facilities. And then Halloween is a whole other thing where some large-sized chocolate bars are ones my kid will not eat, but the companies seem to think there's a market in Halloween, and so they'll make smaller versions of these bars that are now peanut-free. So when your kid's really little, it becomes confusing. They think they can have a Kit Kat, and we found little Kit Kats that are bad, but the big ones are good. And we found big Hershey's that are bad, but the little ones are good. It's just, it's very, very frustrating. Do you get the sense perhaps, Loren, that this is a CYA situation where the food processors are are actually saying, you know, they won't, they won't, they won't verify it as may not contain or may contain or just slapping the, the may contain label on in order to cover themselves. That, I, that's how it feels sometimes because, like I said, like the, the salt I bought at Clear Lake last summer that had peanuts in it may contain nuts. And I, you know that it doesn't. But is it at a factory that there are nuts being processed or is it just the factory's way of saying, I don't want to get sued?
It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb after Global News at 9.30. Let's talk whiskey, the Manitoba Whiskey Festival. We've got a couple of people to tell us about this cool event. And in our next segment, we are giving away our final two pairs of tickets for Monday's Jets game against San Jose, Jets and Sharks, West Side Story. We're asking you on this trade deadline day, what would you trade for those tickets? You don't actually have to trade it, but what would you trade? What would you give up? We've put a whole bunch of our pictures on our Instagram story if you want to see some of the cool things that some people are willing to part ways with. <laughs> In the meantime, Mr. Mackling? Husbands, dogs, Uliana saying, uh, trade you my two dogs, but that's only because we need uh, dog sitters while we're <laughs> at the game, and you'll have to give the dogs back after the game. Lots so. of people wanting to trade their dogs temporarily. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> So keep those coming for a chance to win. Last chance right now. And then we pick our winners in the next segment. In the meantime, Greg, what time is it? It is time to visit with our good friend who works down the hall. She is the anchor of Global News Morning Scene on CKND Television, Channel 9, Cable 12. It is Global News Mornings with Gabrielle Marchand. Good morning, Gabby. Good morning and happy Friday. We made it, everybody. We have made it indeed, and oh, it's been a fun day. We, one, of the, one of the things that we talked about earlier this week, though, it, well, it ended up being fun, but it was kind of not fun to begin with. Behaviors that make our, us shake our head, like things that we see out there that just make us go, what are you doing? Like this person in Steinbach who called 911 because the lineup at Burger King was too long. Forgive me if people who are younger and have more energy are listening to this, but I be- realize that I become basically Lord Voldemort in the morning. Like my eyes a little red slits. I feel like my nose disappears into my face and I just hate everything and everybody for the first hour of my day. And I was leaving my building and these raucous youth were leaving. It's not really a party building. I'm very confused by this, but I was taking the elevator down and they got in the elevator at 3.30 in the morning. Like your day was starting, theirs is ending? Yeah, theirs or is theirs ending. is going on somewhere yeah. else. Yeah, you know, they're, they're maybe going to a second location at 3.30 in the morning. Like, it's a Tuesday, everybody, and they're just... <laughs> Wasted and then proceeded to give me a million questions, including why are your eyes so red? <laughs> really? Yeah, the girl was like, Why are your eyes so red? Oh my God, why are you wearing that jacket? So many aggressive <laughs> questions. And I just sat there. I eventually just, the elevator ride felt like it was three years long. I just closed my eyes, like, Please let me survive this and never experience this interaction on my way to work again. I mean, they were just having fun, so good for them. But I realized that I'm at the age where drinking until 3 30 in a on a Tuesday night makes me become, you know, I'm like just whittling like a, a rocking chair in my apartment now. You have no time. Just no time for their <laughs> no, youthful nonsense. No time for and the I'm sorry, are you even 30? I'm 32. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready to. You came into this early. You came into the shake fist of cloud early, I feel, Greg. No, I'm, I'm just getting. I'm just getting a kick of the whole idea of drinking until three o'clock in the morning. Even when I did that in my twenties and, uh, I only did that because I didn't have to get up until noon for work. Yeah. Yeah. Never mind getting up for work at like 3.01. Like one minute of sleep, Gabby? Like seriously. Yeah. I can't imagine. I'm sure they were maybe sleeping in the next day. I hope they were. I mean, they were probably really lovely people. I just... It's too much. I can't handle that much interaction in an elevator. Well, and look, I I get it too, because I used to have some uh, couple of young guys who lived in the suite above me in my building. Uh, They were in their early 20s. And then uh, then one of them had a girlfriend who would come over and stunt. She was like five feet tall, but she stomped around like an elephant. Oh, no. So they, they, they they always drove me nuts. Just for that. But then they every so often I could tell they're having a shaker up there. I know it was actually Halloween night. 
So I think it was, uh, well, I can't remember if it was Wednesday night or Thursday night, but I, I'm getting up for work and I can, like, music is pounding. No. I can hear them no. shouting and stuff. So I, this is already, a weeknight. This is yeah, a weeknight. It's a weeknight. Like, like and I'm going to work. I'm leaving. Like, it's not even my problem anymore, but just out of sheer principle, I went, I marched upstairs and I just went, too loud! And uh, and then I heard somebody inside say, everybody out! <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, you should have gone up earlier, Brett. <laughs> yeah. So, I get it. I get it. It's Tuesday, man. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Okay. Another thing we talked about, useless things we have purchased. Loren tried to buy a six-foot charging cable. Turned out to be six inches. And it oh, angers. No. I've only had it three days, and I'm so angry at it. Every I plug it in to my console, and I have to twist my hand to use it. And then I... It always gets to the point in the day where I need a charge, like it's going to die, and it's usually around 3. I'm going to pick up my kids up from school, and I park, and I get there early, and I want to do some work, you know, send out notes and stuff, but it's a te- it's, it's so needs tiny. this charge. And I just, yesterday was just sweating with my coat on, just mad. Like, this thing is angering me. That was unnecessary anger to talk about. Anyway, useless. Have you had anything useless? I went through a phase, speaking, sorry not to bring this all back to drinking, but I went through a phase where I drink and I would order vitamins off Amazon. I would read these articles about different vitamins you should take for your health and I would order them at like three in the morning. I wasn't going downstairs to a second location. I was busy improving my health. Mm-hmm. So now I have this cabinet. Every I have every alphabet letter, I swear, vitamins. You want fenugreek? I got it. Reishi what mushrooms. That do? What's fenugreek do? Do what you do know? I, do you any, remember? No, I don't know what any of these things do. I don't even know why I have them. Do I you had, take them? No. I mean, I maybe took them once and I was like, why Why did I buy this? I read this article about my skin glowing if I take this. So now <laughs> I'm taking reishi mushrooms. I do take my reishi mushrooms, though. I think those are working out. Uh, maybe. I How mean, much money did you spent on this cabinet? Here's the thing. I had all these Amazon points I didn't know about. I had hundreds of dollars. Could have spent it on, I don't know, like an espresso maker or something useful. Instead, I just had have a cabinet of <laughs> useless vitamins. So if anybody wants vitamins. Go ahead, Greg. Do, do you want Jets tickets? Uh, we'll trade you all those vitamins for uh, yeah. Jets tickets. I'll go do an inventory as soon as I get home, and then you give me Jets tickets for your vitamins. I need a for, picture for of this mine. cabinet. Fenugreek mm-hmm. can help lower your cholesterol levels oh, perfect. and help with appetite control, but Great. more research is needed. So <laughs> I think you just bought a completely... Oh, boy. That last, that last <laughs> one is... Literally is it in capital letters? Like, it's good for blood sugar <laughs> and for if you're breastfeeding, apparently. I have heard that before, but then why you might want it would be to like suppress appetite and more research required. I also have folic acid in there because I heard even if you're not pregnant, that can be a good thing for you. And then my mom came over and was like, what is this? So it can also lead to awkward conversations. I'm just saying, (laughs) if anybody wants folic acid or fenugreek, I'm your girl. (laughs) Gabrielle Marchand is the host of Global News Morning Heard weekdays or seen weekdays uh, from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. on Global Winnipeg. Gabby, always a pleasure. Happy Friday. Take your vitamins. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we have been giving away five pairs of Winnipeg Jets tickets. We already gave tickets to Karen. She has a couple of seats from the Winnipeg Stadium, which is neat. She would have traded that. Kevin has this weird ceramic horse head that was gifted to him, and he's not sure 10 years later if he likes it or hates it. Uh, Kendall would trade his boat for it. Was it, uh, sorry, Lauren, was it his uncle? His uncle, his 80-year-old uncle, who's a huge Kyle Connor fan, and of course Kyle Connor 
bobblehead night is the same night as this game, if I'm connecting the yep. dots right. So he wanted to put a smile on his uncle's face. So I liked that one. So you, this has been an impo- I thought five tickets would make things so much easier. <laughs> no. <laughs> this has been tough today because we're getting so many great entries. So a couple more runners up, Mr. Mackling. Uh, Ernie had one. Uh, not Ernie. Mick actually had an Ernie Muppet, like from Sesame Street, an actual puppet. Yeah. Uh, with the jeans and everything, really cool. Uh, Norin, willing. Did you notice it had Winnipeg Jets sl- uh, slippers on it? I actually did. Yeah, very cool. Norin, willing to trade tasks, weekly menu planning, and grocery shopping. And <laughs> somebody had a picture of their garage or their storage space inside. A Wolko shopping cart. Like, that's they were been around for trade. a while. Like, we're talking yeah. decades, right? Yeah. Very, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wolko's gone 30 years ago, yes. I want to say. That cart has been some places. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. So, see, it's, it's tough to pick, but... Um, it's impossible to pick. Our final winners here, winner number one is Kevin the Garbage Man. Partly, Greg, for the, the callback. Kevin li- likes the callbacks to call back to other topics. And what did he first say to us this morning? Because he's been trying all morning. I will trade two flip phones for two Jets tickets. One is even a Samsung. The other one... Can open a beer bottle plus go. a case. Yeah. I said my husband can, used to use his flip phone to open a beer bottle. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I had the, it's funny too. Kevin sent this uh, picture of a Samsung flip phone. I had that same phone and I loved it. I miss it. And then he followed up by saying, "I will trade all the garbage in the world." But the instruction you got to read the text and the voice. There's a scene in The Simpsons. I think it's a Halloween episode where Homer ends up in hell. And he gets hooked up to this torture machine where the guy says to him, so you like donuts, hey? Well, have all the donuts in the world. And he just keeps feeding him donuts and don't, and Homer never stops. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'm supposed to say, I will trade all the garbage in the world. Kevin, I don't know if that lives up to what uh, you're hoping for. And then he finally, Loren added one more. And this one made me laugh. So he had the flip phones, then he had the garbage text, and then finally sends a picture I'm desperate. Here is my soul. And it's a picture of the soul of his shoe. And I thought, Kevin, well played, my friend. Well played. So we'll ring the bell for Kevin the Garbage Man, winner number four. And winner number five is the person who brought us this bell. In case you missed it earlier, we have sitting beside us a 20-pound brass bell that's at least 60 years old. And Grant mentioned it to us yesterday that he had this old bell. It says Titanic on it. It's actually carved into the brass, but uh, it's not from the Titanic. But uh, he said that it's been in his life, his entire life. It, it once hung on his neighbor's house underneath a couple of air horns, and then it ended up on one of their boats. <laughs> and he just he heard us talking about this and thought, you know what? Uh, like you, you didn't weren't you don't have to trade the item. He just wanted to give it to us yes. and say thanks. He, he came and he had a flip phone that he's had for twelve years. <laughs> and uh, he said, "I said, well, would you, would you want to go to the Jets game? Because he didn't come here to for tickets. No, right. no, no. But I said, do you want to go? And he said, yeah, I know somebody who'd like to go. I got an eighty-five-year-old friend who's never been to a Jets oh, game. Oh, nice. Used to be apparently used to be a fighter pilot and defected to Canada years ago. So. There's a story from the USSR. I believe so. So, Grant, thank you for the bell. And this aside, this used to hang on his boat. 
Like I this think is so. this is anchor worthy, not hanging worthy. That's how heavy that bell is. Yeah, it's a big it's it's thing weighs a ton. So that's, that's awesome. How, that's how you sound. Sharks in the water. <laughs> Ring that bell, baby. <laughs> Grant, congratulations. Kevin the garbage man, congratulations, as well as Karen, Kevin, and Kendall. Boy, this is a tough that's one. That's a today. lot of K's. We, just, we inadvertently Karen, Kendall, Kevin. And Kevin. And the garbage Ke- man. And Kevin. And then <laughs> <laughs> that was not planned. That's funny. We swear that was not planned. We are not discriminating against the, the other 24 letters in the alphabet outside of K and G. It is Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Hal Anderson, the host of Connecting Winnipeg, joins us in our next segment to tell you what's coming up after 10 o'clock. And before we introduce our next guests, it's Employee Appreciation Day. So our question of the day at cjob.com, a recent survey found almost half of the respondents feel undervalued at work. How about you? Your options are, I feel valued, I feel somewhat valued, I feel barely valued, or I don't feel valued at all. Cast your vote at cjob.com. Scotch Whiskey often seems shrouded in mystery to the uninitiated. This from a feature article on at bbc.com, published in 2019, goes on to say, uh, this image is part of what has made whiskey so successful, but is it is also a hindrance to the spirit. So it's Friday. Let's learn about the Manitoba Whiskey Festival. Let's learn more about whiskey with one of the world's foremost experts. Dr. Don Livermore is the master blender of Hiram Walker & Sons Limited in Windsor, Ontario. He is responsible for some of Canada's award-winning whiskeys, such as J.P. Weiser's, Lot 40, Pike Creek, and Gooderham & Warts. Good morning, Don. How are you? Thank you. It's wonderful to be in Winnipeg. Excellent. Well, it's good to have you. And you're staying at the perfect uh, location. You didn't even have to come outside to walk over here and come say hi and join us. So the first question I have, after all these years, I've bartended. I've been a consumer of both products. I've been a a server of uh, libation over the years. For the uninitiated, what is the difference between scotch whiskey and rye whiskey? Well, they're all whiskeys. Whiskey is the overarching category, if you want to call that. And then what falls underneath the whiskey is scotch and has to be made in Scotland. And they divide it into blended scotch or single malt scotches. And then there's Canadian whiskey, uh, which we refer to as rye whiskey because rye is the ingredient that gives us the spiciness to Canadian whiskey. I'll often use the analogy like the dish curry chicken. What's the main ingredient to dish curry chicken? It's chicken, but curry is the spice to it. And we can dial up the rye level to make whiskey more and more spicy. And that's my job as the master blender is to make those recipes more and more spicy. And that's why you call them rye whiskeys. Is rye in the scotch? There's no rye in the scotch whiskey? There is no rye because rye is not really growing over in in Scotland. They can do it if they want to, but typically they'll use the ingredients local to them and that's barley. Okay. And what about Irish whiskey? Same thing. Barley grows in uh, Ireland, so they'll use barley to give them flavor to their whiskeys. But it's so, just made in Ireland. But it's made in Ireland. Okay. It has to be Irish whiskey. Um, one thing that people when always say, how do you spell the word whiskey? If you look at the country, if it has the word, letter E in it, they'll put E-Y at the end. If there's not an E in the country, there's no E in that w- word whiskey. Really? Yes. That's a quick way to remember. How do you spell it pertaining to which country? Okay. So Ireland... EY or United States has an EY, but Scotch, it's just Y. Canada, just Y. Wow. Oh, 
Okay. We're How have I not noticed this? There's been a lot of scotch and rye whiskey in my pantry over the years, and I feel like I never paid, well, by the time you've had that drink, maybe you're not paying attention to the spelling like you should. You know, I've always I've always wondered, though, is which which is it? Because I see both of them. So there you go. Sure. So, okay, what's the best way, then, to consume whiskey? As in, like, how do you find one that suits you? Is it just trial and error? Just trial and error. And one of the things is going to whiskey fests like this weekend, and uh, you get an opportunity to go around from booth to booth. There'll be uh, 40, 50 different suppliers there. Uh, they'll talk about their brands, and they'll say, I finish it in a sherry cask, or I use rye, or use barley. So you'll start asking them questions, and then you'll start to pick out what you like, what you don't like, and then, then you start gravitating to, to different styles of whiskeys and cer- certain occasions. And to how you enjoy whiskey, there's no right or wrong for me. Um, it's all based on occasion. So I live in Windsor, Ontario, which is very hot summers. Yes, I do like to have a rye, rye whiskey and ginger around my pool in the, in the summertime, but in the winter, I love enjoying them and uh, just neater on the rocks. Mm. I don't know anything about Whiskey Festival. I do know the Wine Festival, but I've yet to get to the Whiskey Festival, so I'm excited to learn more about it because it also supports Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, So with us this morning, as well as Don Livermore, who's a master blender, is Rick Brownlee, who's the executive director of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame and Sport Heritage Manager at Sport Manitoba. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Loren. So tell us a bit about the festival. How does it work, and, and who's it supporting? Well, I want to correct you guys. It's the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival, and when you're looking it up on the internet, that's that's what you look for for the website, not the Manitoba Whiskey Festival. And this will be the 11th year, and I believe Dr. Don may have been there since day one because uh, he's he's one of our premier master blenders that we have as guests. But we have all sorts of ambassadors from 70 different booths, um, uh, many vendors, and over 250 products. And it's not just uh, whiskey, Loren. There's also some high-end rums, tequilas, vodkas, anything in straight spirits and that sort of thing we're, we're looking at. But, of course, whiskey is number one on the list. So tonight is sold out, but tomorrow is not. Fairmont Hotel, it's a, it's a pretty nice place to hang out. What's the goal here, Rick? It's Greg Mackling here and just the, the, yep. whole, the whole tie-in. And, and uh, obviously this is going to raise some money at the end of the day. It is. And I mean, Loren talked about the Winnipeg uh, Wine Festival, the benefactor Special Olympics Manitoba and Flatlanders beers for True North Foundation. Well, the Whiskey Festival, um, uh, we're fortunate enough, the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, to be the charity that benefits from the funds raised at this. And this became instantly our number one flagship fundraiser in year one and has grown steadily, um, survived COVID. Uh, We had a virtual whiskey festival during that that that, uh, got us through and now it's back full force, and as you say, sold out tonight, but uh, people can go to www.winnipegwhiskeyfestival.com, and because we're in Canada, as Dr. Don said, there's no E in whiskey on ours, then they can buy tickets for Saturday night. So as far as whiskey goes, uh, Don, it's always one of the most popular spirits in the world, if not the most popular spirits in the world. Uh, like we here in Manitoba, we have wedding socials. And when you go to the liquor store to, to place your order they, they and you don't know what to order, they always have, uh, like, they'll give you a recommendation. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they'll, they'll say, like, I don't know, 20 bottles of whiskey and then 10 of this and five of that. So the whiskey is by far and away the, the most popular. So why do you think it, 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 its popularity continue, it, like it continues just to have that hold on uh, people who like to consume spirits? 
Uh, whiskey has been popular early, right from the 1840s, 1850s in Canada. I think just it just carries over year after year after year. I do see styles of whiskeys change across Canada. So if you're into the major metropolitan cities, I find you get into brands like Lot 40, which is 100% rye, and they want that spicy rye to carry through on the kind of the sweeter edge cocktails like Old Fashions and Manhattans. Mm-hmm. Whereas I find you get into more rural Canada, <laughs> they little like their corn whiskeys a little bit more. They like the lighter, smoother style of drinks uh, for it. So I do find pockets around Canada, and it's interesting. I mean, uh, you see the diversity in Canada, and that's what I love about Canadian whiskey. It's It can be heavy rye whiskeys or very smooth whiskeys, and uh, and I think it shows through on, on our, our nation as a whole. I want to jump in here because, you know, I, I'll have a Ryan Coke or a Ryan Ginger or a Ryan Seven, but I would never have a Scotch. Good point. And Seven or a Scotch and Coke, or, or could I, should I, would I, uh, Don? I would say experiment around. Uh, try it. Uh, if you think it would go together, uh, I, by all means. I've, I've seen it when I go over into the Scotland and Ireland and see my counterparts. They do suggest ginger ale with, with some of their spirits oh, really? and stuff. So, okay. Uh, they're, they're, again, enjoy a drink. There's a, what occasion are you at? Again, like I said, if I was by my pool, I might have it. Uh, you know, as a ginger ale or if I'm uh, a cold winter night, like uh, here in Winnipeg, I might just sip it and eat. So I just was reading just now, Don, that you have a degree in microbiology, a master of the science and a PhD in brewing and distilling. Like there's people who know their whiskey and then there's people who clearly know their whiskey. How did you get into this? Um, I, I had a microbiology degree from the University of Waterloo, and I had a colleague uh, say, hey, they're hiring somebody in our fermentation area in Hiram Walker. I, I went to the Windsor for the interview, and I stayed there 27 years later. And then the company's fantastic. They had an excellent education policy where I went and uh, did my Master's of Science in Brewing and Distilling at Harriet Watt University in Edinburgh, Scotland. Hmm. Yeah, at, at Scotland, right? Uh, brewing and Distilling. Yeah, learn, yeah. yeah, Brewing and Distilling. And then, and then I did a PhD in Brewing and Distilling. And uh, certainly I use it day-to-day on my job. At, uh, and it's... It's, it's making whiskeys complex. You need a lot of skill set uh, to go right from grains to to fermentation to distilling, which you need engineers and you need uh, even the computer controls around it. The skill level to make whiskeys is just incredible. And I'm thankful for all the people that are around me at my distillery because you're only as good as the weakest link on your chain. And, and it, it, it takes all these little pieces to make the final product to end. And we've got a great staff at the Hiram Walker Distillery. So for you, is the science to it or is it that your nose is good at it too? Like if, you, if I put 17 different scotches in front of you or or canadian Irish. well kind of want to now i wish i had I wish what's I had, the context here it doesn't matter i just want to know you know because you're, you're talking about a lot of very scientific approach to it but then there also is people who just know what they like but don't know why and so for you is there a nose to it as well i'm thinking of like a perfumery type yeah I, i've developed something called the canadian whiskey flavor wheel so if you google Don Livermore and Flavor Wheel, you'll see, see it on, you can download it for free. And it really drives home where the flavors from whiskey come from. So I bring together the science and where you can get a spicy note or you can get the vanilla notes or you can get the banana notes and whiskeys. They, and it's a, it's a nice cheat sheet tool. Uh, so yes, there is a science is the first question to it. I think the art becomes is reading my audience is what do you want to, to drink and what occasion? Because I'm not making whiskey for me. If, if you wanted the whiskey that I love, it, heaven forbid. It's about reading the audience, what people are looking for, and making the right timing decisions on what people are, are looking for in this day. So, for example, we've just released our J.P. Weiser's 10-year-old whiskey. It uh, just came out in uh, December here in Manitoba. Uh, and what we're thinking is people are trying to drink better, not more. 
And uh, right. we, we feel there's a need for a good valued whiskey uh, that's age declared. And we, we priced it in that $32 to $34 mark. And uh, it's just been exceptional. So it's timing at the right time. <laughs> Bringing the science together and the art becomes is what are people looking for. That, that's what you want to do. Rick. It, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What was your thought, Doc? I was going to say the tough part about it being a master blender is I don't know what people want 10 years from now. Right. Yeah, that's the tough part. <laughs> Before we go, Rick, uh, for those wanting to attend the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival this weekend, how do they get tickets? They go to uh, www.winnipegwhiskeyfestival.com. They can buy their tickets there. And they can also click on the top banner. There's a uh, Givergy auction website where we have 20 fantastic prizes that are accompanied by bottles donated by the vendors that we'd love people to uh, have a look at. And it's all in support of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Almost raised $6,000 so far, so that's great. So Rick Brownlee, Executive Director of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame and Sport Heritage Manager at Sport Manitoba, thank you for joining us, sir. We appreciate it. Thank you. And Dr. Don Livermore, Master Blender of Hiram Walker & Sons Limited in Windsor, Ontario. I got family right outside of Windsor in, in Essex. Don, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And if you're going to the festival this weekend, enjoy yourself, and hopefully you'll learn a thing or two about whiskey.